Thanks for joining me for another episode of the MicroConf podcast. I'm your host, Rob Walling, and today we're doing another MicroConf refresh episode where we look back at some of the best talks from the past decade of MicroConf. Today, we're kicking it off with a talk that I did at MicroConf Remote back in March of 2021. This talk is short. It's about 15, 17 minutes. It's an overview of early stage SaaS and software marketing strategies that can help you find your first customers. And this talk was the opener for MicroConf Remote and kind of set the stage around what we were going to dive into over the next three days of the event, where we had folks like Derek Reimer, Ruben Gomez, Leonardo Barrientos, Natalie Luneva, Mike Ritchie, all diving into distinct tactics that they had used to grow their companies, especially in the early days. It was a focus on early stage SaaS marketing. But before we dive into that, I want to remind you that tickets for in-person microconfs are on sale. And in fact, the events are coming up very soon. We have three microconf local events in September. We still have a few tickets left for those. Remember, the local events are one-day events. Tickets are right around $100, $130, so they're really inexpensive. And we're going to have four great speakers on the stage. I'm, I'm really excited about it. The three microconf locals are in Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, and Boston, Massachusetts. Those are happening in the month of September. And then the first week of October, we have MicroConf Growth in Europe. That's in Dubrovnik, Croatia. It's an amazing venue. If you've been looking for an excuse to get to Croatia, this is it. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, they have a Game of Thrones tour of Dubrovnik because a bunch of scenes were filmed there. It's really a great place. This is the third and final year that we'll be having MicroConf Growth in Dubrovnik. So it's a great excuse to write it off as a business expense. Note that is not legal or accounting advice, please consult your accountant. But it would be great to see you. I'm going to be attending all of these events, and I would love to connect with you if you're able to make it. So head to microconf.com, and there's a link above the fold that says in-person events, and you can register there. We are close to selling out. There are just a few tickets left to each of these events. And a reminder, as we dive into this talk, all of these microconf refresh talks are available on YouTube if you want to see the slides. Sometimes it is important and you want to see what the slides are as the speaker's talking. Of course, youtube.com slash microconf. And with that, let's dive into my talk for microconf remote on early stage SaaS marketing. And we are live. Welcome to microconf remote 2.0. Super stoked to have you here joining us today. We have three action-packed days of early stage SaaS marketing. We're going to be looking at what we're calling the cheat codes, strategies, and tactics for getting folks uh, into your product in that early stage where you're pre-10K. Maybe it's your first 10, maybe it's your first 50, maybe it's your first 100 customers. But I'm really excited to dive into this. We're going to be covering all kinds of early stage tactics. And of course, in you know true microconf fashion, we're bringing founders or subject matter experts on the show to talk about things that they have done either for themselves or for their clients and to bring as many super tactical tips and the results and the learnings and the pros and cons and what they would do differently um, during you know the next uh, next couple of days. So I'd like to start us off by thanking 
Hay and Stripe. They are headline partners for the year. Um, they were headline partners in 2021, and we love working with Hay and Stripe because they're they're such fixtures in the microconf community. Um, Hay, obviously, a product out of Basecamp. They're an email service, and and Stripe needs no introduction. I mean, they are the payment service for SaaS and and, and for the internet. And I really want to thank them again for being our partners and allowing us to produce events like this. So if you haven't already, I'd love it if you could excuse me could at mention them on twitter they're hey hey and stripe and just thank them for their headline support of microconf here in 2021. I'm going to be talking for about the next about 15 minutes, say, about to kind of give you my take and my thought process, maybe a, a couple mental frameworks around early stage marketing and about why early stage marketing is different than later stage marketing. Uh, you know, we really decided to focus this event on early stage because when I, I, you, you'll read books, really good books like Traction by Justin Maris and, and Gabriel Weinberg that have a lot of marketing tactics in them. And these are um, uh, amazing. They're super helpful. But a lot of these books ignore that there's a huge difference between, let's say, pre-product market fit marketing and post-product market fit. If you're doing 50000 a month, your marketing budget and your marketing approach looks a lot different than if you're doing 500 a month and you only have five customers. And so I'm going to talk briefly about why early stage marketing is different, I'll talk about why it's pretty pretty hard, actually, and then do a couple frameworks uh, that I have been using over the years. And then we'll finish off with kind of an overview of what the next three days are going to look like. All right, there's just a couple seconds. Perfect. So in SaaS, you need to figure out a lot of things when you're building a product from scratch. And this is just a totally incomplete list. It's probably a third of the things, even high level, that you need to know. So what features to build, how to build them, when to build them, how you price this thing, how what your positioning should be, your marketing copy, where you find new customers, how to sell this product, how to onboard people, how to make sure that they refer others, how to uh, make sure that they stick around, and on and on and on. Um, I could probably rattle off a list of, of 20 off the top of my head. When you're starting out, all of these are a blank slate. And it's like a really complex equation that you don't have any of the answers to. Once you get further along, let's say you you do have product market fit. Let's say you're doing forty or fifty thousand dollars a month. Oops, I'm using my keyboard to advance it. Apologize. Let's say you're doing forty, fifty thousand dollars a month. Really, a lot of these things are figured out. By the time you're doing mid six figures of ARR. You have a general idea of what features to build. It's always a question, but you have an idea. Um, you probably have a process of kind of how to build them and how to think about them, your mental model. Pricing is usually settled, even though you revisit that every quarter or two quarters. Positioning and marketing copy, if you've, you know, again, if you're doing 50K a month, you figured something out there. Where to find new customers is, is always a challenge and always a lot of experiments. Um, but a lot of these other things are settled as you get later stage, and really the long-term game becomes building out your team if if that's something you know if that's a goal of yours, and then where to find new customers. And so that's what I'm talking about. The difference is early stage, too many variables. Later stage, simpler. So I like the analogy I use is here's a pretty simple equation. While we have two variables and only one numeric, we do we have seen this in later stage algebra, and it's like okay, I, I know that I can solve for a in terms of x or x in terms of a. Not that hard. But when I get to an equation like this, this is more of the early stage marketing where it's a, a lot of things. You don't know if it's your lead sources that aren't good. You don't know if you're not selling it well. You don't know if your pricing is off. You don't know if your positioning is off. And that's why it tends to be pretty difficult. So with that in mind, 
I want to talk. I want to talk three points about how you can find your first 10, 50, or 100 customers. And these are, let's say, words of advice slash frameworks um, that I've used over the years and that, that I think you should keep in mind about how to find those initial customers. First thing is something I don't think that's talked about enough, and it's this idea of the pendulum swing. And let's say you start on the left with new customers. And you've done, you've pre-validated your idea. You've said, I'm going to build this crazy widget that's a landing page that sells things and has email marketing built in and is designed for SaaS founders. And it, and it does lead magnets too. And you get 10 people to say they're willing to pay you 50 bucks a month for that. And so you do start with new customers on the left. Well, now you have to go build features. So you need to swing that pendulum over. And if you're a single founder, you're putting that engineering hat on. You're going away from the marketing and sales and you're saying, okay, now I'm gonna build these things. And you go in the basement for two months, three months, no more than six months, people. I, I've been saying this literally the first time I said this, it was in 2008, we were looking back at some transcripts. If you're taking longer than six months to get out of the gate and get people actively using your product, you are probably making a mistake. <clears throat> Excuse me. I find between four and six months, especially working side nights and weekends, um, there's a big drop off in people who actually make it to that launch point or who make it there with enough energy to continue. Because remember, launch is not the finish line. Launch is the starting line. You spend those months just to get to the start. Okay, so back to our story. We build some features and then we show it to our customers or prospects. And then they say... Um, well, I still need some additional work. I need This doesn't quite do it for me. It's not actually worth $50. So you swing back to building new features. And then hopefully you put your marketing hat on again, you build some new features, and then you swing back and you drive more traffic. This is one of the hardest balances, especially as a single founder. Um, it's still hard even as a small team because you never seem to have enough resources to do as much product and as much marketing as you want. And again, in the early days, especially, you're also trying to figure out all the other things I had on that initial list. And as it gets later, this just becomes your TikTok back and forth, your pendulum swing of we're going to build some new features and we're going to see what our existing customers and then we're going to drive new customers and see how many of them, you know, how many of these features resonate with the people. And as you, um, as you get further along, this is le becomes less and less of an issue uh, than in the early days. Oops. Once again, I'm using my keys. All right. Second thought. So I have three thoughts I told you around this. We've heard do things that don't scale. Paul Graham said this in a famous essay I think it was called How to Start a Startup back in, it was probably 2008, 2009. Do things that don't scale is good advice. And in fact, over the next couple of days, we are going to look at several things that don't scale. But I would say this, I would add this to that quote. Do things that don't scale while you are looking for things that do. Because if everything you do doesn't scale, if everything is an AppSumo launch or a product hunt launch or a one-time joint venture where you get an email blast, then your business will grow and it will constantly plateau. But if you, everything you do is is further out, if everything is is SEO and um, you know long-term partnerships, long-term enterprise contracts that take six months to close, then you're not going to stay alive long enough in terms of of revenue and profit. To, to close in on these things and to take advantage of these long-term deals. So that's what I mean when I say do things that don't scale. And 
we're going to be examining a few of those like Product Hunt and AppSumo. These are things that don't scale. They're kind of one-time bumps while you look for things that do, which are things like search engine optimization, uh, which we'll be looking at, and partnerships, which can, can kind of go both ways. The partnerships that can constantly refer you things are the ones that long-term scale really well for you. All right, so that's number two. Third thought I want to leave you with is something I've talked about before, but it's in these early stages. If I were starting from scratch today, it's what I did on my last two products, Hittail and Drip, and it's what I call concentric circle marketing. And what I realized is I was calling it this, and then the book Traction came out, and they have a, a it's a different concept. It's related, but it's a very different concept, but they called it bullseye marketing, and that is so much of a better name for this um, because essentially, if you don't know what you know, concentric circles are, we have a circle in the center. It's like a, uh, a dartboard, and then you have a circle around it, and then a circle that's slightly larger around that and around that. So those are concentric circles. So in this list from top to bottom, I have your audience, which is that smallest concentric circle and the ones that are easiest to reach for you, and then your network, which are like maybe you know colleagues um, and other folks that you know really closely versus an audience, like let's say you have a podcast or a social following, you probably can't reach out via email to everyone on your podcast and, and your Twitter feed, right? So those are the, I would consider audience versus your network is where I can drop a line to uh you know, frankly, the, all the all the speakers in this event, you know, I could I could drop an email too. I would say that they're they're in my network. So that's the second concentric circle. The ne next one is if folks in my network have audiences, and then the fourth concentric, of course, is just cold audiences. And so, as I think about marketing, uh, especially in the early stage, I would often sit down and brainstorm who in my audience, or or really not who, but it's how can I present to my audience the offering that I'm about to launch, the the hit tail, the drip, the microconf remote, whatever it is, how can I convey that to folks on Twitter uh, or via my podcast or via my email list or whatever, wherever else I have reach, how can I convey that to them in a way that is helpful to them, adds value, maybe it's educational, maybe it's just being transparent with, hey, we're doing this thing behind the scenes, but it's, it's a way to communicate that and get them excited and interesting in what I'm doing. Okay, so that's my audience. My network, I start thinking, if I'm going to launch email service provider, I think who in my network do I think maybe is unhappy with you know their current use of Mailchimp or Aweber, and how could I maybe drop an uh, uh, an email and say, hey, this is what I'm building. I'm curious if you want to try it out, or um, you know who in my network could potentially moving on to the, the third concentric circle could potentially has enough of an audience that not only do I want, hey, maybe would you be willing to try this out, but would you be willing to have me on your podcast? To educate your audience on this topic. And it's not having me on your podcast to talk about my ESP. It's to talk about email marketing and to talk about how it's not dead and how it's the, you know, there's a story there, right? It's the next phase of email marketing, email marketing 2.0. It's marketing automation. It's tagging. It's it's automations. I mean, this was the playbook that, that I ran with, with Drip. And you can do it too, right? Even if your network is not big, even if you only know a handful of people, that's why you come to events like MicroConf Remote, um, where you can wander around, gather.town, and and connect with people. That's why you're in micro should be in microconfconnect.com. Uh, we have approaching 2,000 founders. Um, that's what I mean by network. I'm not a networker. I'm an introvert, and I sit at home and I I read my graphic novels and I talk to my kids and play tabletop games. And yet I have a I have a pretty damn extensive network in this space. And and you can too if you just show up. You show up and you offer value to people. And the more value you offer to people, magic, the bigger your network gets. So again, returning back to that third step, your network's audience is like, who do you know who has an audience who could potentially, you could provide value to and potentially spread the word. 
And then last is cold audi cold audiences, and their cold audiences scale amazingly, but they're the ones that tend to be harder to make work. This is, of course, everything else, right? It's organic search, it's um, any type of pay-per-click ads or other advertising, or you know, sending folks to a landing page to do webinars. I mean, cold audiences are how you scale big time. But in these early stages, I would really be focusing on these these first three to see what kind of traction you can get. So. Let's take a look at MicroConf Remote 2.0, our early stage cheat codes that we'll be looking at over the next three days in our five keynote sessions. So this is the first of six in that respect. We are gonna be looking at AppSumo. All right, we're gonna be looking at AppSumo deal. I'm gonna have Ruben Gomez from DocSketch who ran an AppSumo deal back in mid 2019. And he's going to be talking about the things he did right and the ways to think about whether or not you, your, you know, your app and your situation is a good fit for that, as well as open the kimono on the number of support requests, the number of, of sales, the net amount of cash that, that DocSketch made from doing this deal. So I'm really excited about that session. I believe that is tomorrow morning. In addition, we're going to be covering Product Hunt, how to launch on Product Hunt well. And this, again, is super tactical with, with detailed numbers. Uh, Mr. Derek Reimer from Savvy Cal, many of you may know him from the Art of Product podcast, will be coming on to talk about his launch he did just two months back and the results from that, which netted him. Uh, well, he'll show you, I think it's a few thousand in MRR. Like, it's a non-trivial amount of money, right? And that's a, one of the beauties of SaaS is that if you have a one-time sale app, you make a few thousand, make 10,000 in sales, but then you next, you know, the first and next month you have zero in revenue versus um, with SaaS, these things that don't scale turn into flywheels because of the recurring revenue element of it. Our third is we're going to be looking at sites, Quest Q&A uh, sites like Quora, Stack Overflow, and the myriad of others that allow you to answer questions on topics related to your prospects and your customers. And we're going to have uh, Mike Ritchie on from SQL, who's going to talk about the approach that they took in the early days. And again, showing numbers and specific, uh, you know, specific threads and, and how they worked. And this is, again, this is, I mean, this is something I've done. We've had several MicroConf and TinySeed founders do this and, and get almost to scale with just that approach. Next thing we'll be talking about is SEO for your documentation. And this is just a screenshot of Savvy Cal's help docs because they they look attractive. But um, we're going to have Natalie Luneva on, who is going to be talking about some things that she has done for, I believe it's for clients. And I'm not sure if they've done it for themselves as well, but it's uh, doing organic optimization on their help docs so that they rank for, for questions and answers and topics that your customers are searching for. So this is one of those, those flywheel ones. And finally, this is uh, partnerships. We're gonna be talking uh, with Leo, the founder, uh, co-founder of LexGo. And they struck up a bunch of partnerships because uh, they're a legal, um, well, they're legal software to help people put together uh, for startups in in South America and Latin America, help them put together easy, you know, legal docs pretty simply. And they went to several accelerators and were able to get partnerships with them. And he's going to be talking about what they did there, how they did it. And so you'll notice we have a mix of, remember early on I said, do things that don't scale, but keep an eye out for things that do. And a couple of those aren't going to scale infinitely. And, and a couple of them are kind of, one of us is both and one is, uh, uh, or, or a couple are things that, that do scale really well. Please, if we're not connected on Twitter, I'm at Rob Walling. 
and if you're, I'd love it if you tweet some stuff out because we're, you know, we're like, want to want to extend the reach of MicroConf and, and reach as many founders as we can. Hashtag MicroConf and at MicroConf. Thank you again for joining me this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, I feel like the MicroConf podcast is maybe a, an undiscovered gem because I, I actually really enjoy this and I listen to these, these talks uh, when they come out because it's a reminder of a lot of things that we might hear and then forget and hearing them again reinforces them. And so if you are enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you would share it on Twitter or on LinkedIn and just mention, hey, this is a, you know, really interesting podcast that you've been listening to and give us a, you know, give us a recommendation. That's the way that we're going to grow the audience and kind of make it worthwhile to continue doing the show. So thank you so much again for joining me and we'll be back in your earbuds again next week.